Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Hi, how are you? Good to say. Well, at least it's been a good week and I'm sure the beaches of Cork have been packed all week, have they? Oh, they have. It's 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 beautiful here. You could be anywhere in the world. Has there been any rulabula on the beaches? Because here in Dublin, they're giving out about people drinking on beaches and fights on beaches and all sorts of carry on on beaches. Has it, it, do Cork suffer the same tragedy? You know, the last week or so, I've heard a lot about uh, about 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 traders, casual traders, and a lot of rivalry between casual tra- traders. So you'd have the chip van and the, <laughs> the ice cream man coffee, uh, yeah. and to the horse boxes. Before the pandemic, um, you, you go up to horse boxes and like, I have a habit now of going up to horse boxes because I assume you can get coffee there. If, <laughs> I forget <laughs> that it's just a horse box. But anyway. I always remember being on the beach when I was a kid with my parents. My dad used, he built a windbreaker which was like four poles with material attached to it. But anyway, my mother would always have, you know, like the Tupperware thing, things with the chicken and the salad and the, and she'd give you these sandwiches and they were always covered in sand. <laughs> I could still taste the sand in the food because, of course, because in Ireland, the, the wind doesn't the go away. <laughs> the sand is the best part. You remind me of holidays. I put sand in my sandwiches all the time just to be like up on the beach. And then my father took so much pride in his car, which was an Austin 1100, I think, at the time. And you won't remember what that was, Sarah. You're way too young. But it was a really old car. And he took so much pride in it that when we got back to the car, and we'd walk back over to the car, he'd say, right, we need to get the sand off you. And he'd get his towel out and he would rub the sand off your legs, off your feet, off everywhere. And it would be like sandpaper on your skin. I can, I can still remember it all vividly like it was yesterday. It was mad. Yeah, anyway. sensory overload. Moving on, uh, a little bit of sadness, of course. A Cork family has endured a double blow after losing their father weeks after a fire had ripped through their own home and destroyed all of their possessions. Wow, what a stroke of not only bad luck, but tragedy. Yeah, it, it seems to... to, to there, there just seems to be no end to it. There seems to be no end to this tragedy. So I'm referring there to an article by Jack White in the Irish Examiner, there's the Walsh family in Killa. They lost almost everything when a fire spread from the adjoining garage of their home on the 22nd of April. As no one was home at the time, it was too late to save the house. And when the alarm was raised, it was just too late. So there was practically nothing saved. And they were just left with the clothes on their back. Oh, no. Now, what makes it worse was the house insurance policy had previously lapsed last and that was due to financial financial difficulties so they were already off to a bad start um and they became homeless now what they do have is the love of an entire community i've never come across such a loved family i don't think in all the time i've been working in the echo um so brendan walsh he's he was a father of five and he was a carpenter before retraining as retraining as a carer before the economic crash and he was also a frontline worker throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, a friend of the of the family um, said that the trauma of the family home being destroyed and essentially them becoming homeless it really badly affected Brendan's mental health. I can imagine. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, Brendan actually um, died on the first day of summer. That was May first. 
And that was just a week after the house fire. So you can imagine the I, I couldn't chain of I couldn't imagine. That, I yeah, couldn't imagine well, that heartbreak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 and hard I, to I begin can't to imagine what the poor man was going through with a family of five after losing his home. Of course his mental health was probably through the floor. That was absolutely awful. What a tragedy. But as you mentioned already, the local community probably tried to come together to help them in whatever way they could. And communities are good at that sort of thing, generally. Yeah, so there's a fundraiser that's been set up and they've reached they've raised over 350,000 now. I think wow. it might even be 400,000 at this stage. So what they plan to do is the help doesn't even end there because they want to actually get together and rebuild their home from the house up so that they can have at least a home that they can close the door behind them and and grieve and process this. They're nowhere at the moment to even process any of this. So where where are the families staying at the moment? Are they all split up in relatives or are they in accommodation somewhere? Where are they staying? they, I, I think, as far as far as I know, they um, they're 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 staying in um, in rented accommodation. As, okay. as far as I know, I'm okay. not. Um, but yeah, they, 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 when when something like this happens, you ju- you just want your home, don't you? You of just course, want yeah. to be, yeah, yeah, yeah with, with with your family and builders and traders and carpenters. They're all waiting on the sidelines. So yeah. As soon as enough money is raised, they're just going to get in there and just begin. Oh, that's great! And, 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 and for, yeah. for the family that are that survived that poor man, that's wonderful. That at least they'll have a home, as you rightly said, to to close the door and grieve over the loss of their dad. And 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 that's shocking. And condolences to all the family and all the friends of that family. Now, a distraught woman. Can, by the can way. I just alert, yeah, alert people to their GoFundMe? Sorry, now because oh, I know of course, absolutely. you're stuck for time. So the GoFundMe is so it's uh, it's the Killaga Walsh family fundraiser is what I'm looking at here. So I'm sure if you just type in the Walsh family on GoFundMe, it should come up. So just, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they'd appreciate anything at all. Absolutely. And I would encourage people to throw a 10 or a 5 or a 20 if you happen to have it there. It'd be well worth it. And look, we're always good at helping each other. So just type in the Walsh family, the Killigal Walsh family in Cork there on GoFundMe and you'll find it. Now, a distraught woman has opened up about why she feels her son has been basically failed by the mental health system. So she she's actually voiced her concerns that it's only a matter of time, as far as she's concerned, before he kills the family. Now, God, he must be in a bad way. So this is an article by Liam Heelan in the Echo newspaper, and it's it's poignant on so many levels. So a middle-aged woman, she believes that her son has been failed by the mental health services and that it is now only a matter of time before he kills his family. So a six-month jail term was imposed on the 33-year-old who was convicted of breaching domestic violence orders by threatening to kill his family his parents and member members of his family. So this was at an in-camera hearing of court, district court for domestic violence cases. The parties couldn't be identified and the man's mother said, and, and I quote here, I, I certainly believe it is not a question of if he will kill us, but when. I am living on high alert, she said. So she described him as suffering from paranoid schizophrenia and that he was he-, he was hearing voices all around him. She said that he previously threatened to smash up cars belonging to her husband and another member of the family, and he came down and did so, causing eight thousand worth of damage. 
And he later, later made a phone call which his mother recorded in which he threatened that um, he, he, was going to, he, he was going to harm her. Now, her victim impact statement is, is very eloquent. She said, this, and this is the line that really, that, that really yeah. caught me. She said, um, she, she said, two consultant psychiatrists recommended that he be assessed at the central mental hospital. But each time, she said, we are told that there isn't a bed for him. And then she goes on to say, when he kills one of us, they will find him a bed for the rest of his life. So when I when I yeah. heard when he heard that line, there's there's something about that line that takes your breath Absolutely. away, isn't there? Absolutely, and <laughs> you know, isn't it shocking that a lot of this is avoidable, completely avoidable, uh, and it's not just about money or anything like that. It's about resources. It's about dealing with things properly, and it is completely avoidable. And gosh, I hope he doesn't follow through uh, with his threats. Yeah, I hope I I hope that there 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 doesn't seem to be any winners uh, here at all. So no, I just no. hope they're all okay. And the judge said that he was going to make a recommendation that he was seen by the prison psychiatrist as a matter of extreme urgency. So let's, let's hope he does get the, the help he needs. Absolutely. And a Cork man, by the way, is pedalling a very unique idea on a bicycle uh, made for two. A tandem on a bicycle made for two. Two. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's on a tandem. Where is he cycling to? And by the way, is there somebody on the other saddle or is it just him on his own? Oh yeah, wait till I tell you about this guy because this guy is one of Cork um, Cork's best kept secrets, I think, because he's so humble. He won't tell people about what he's doing, but it's absolutely amazing and so um, unique. So Mark O'Donoghue, he's giving people with disabilities to the chance to enjoy outdoor life again by enlisting them as cycling partners <laughs> on his tandem bicycle. So, so as a result of... of the accident he's had in in his life, he he said that he he quite easily could have been a, a wheelchair user himself. Now, luckily he didn't come to that. It didn't come to that. He was saying he had a, a dislocated C5 and C6 vertebrae, which is um, fairly drastic. Um, but he was saying that using the bike helped him. He had to keep moving all the time, and that's what helped him. Yeah. So he decided that. He wanted to um, maybe share this experience with others. So what he does is he takes out people on his bike who have all kinds of issues. Um, They're suffering from blindness, Parkinson's, motor neuron disease, as well as many other illnesses. The way he looks at it is you can go to the gym. I know they have all these initiatives for our uh, modified equipment for people with disabilities, but you don't have that feeling of the outdoors and yeah. the wind in your, your face and all that. That's, that's a really nice feeling. Of course, that's yeah. A bit of fresh air too, and everything else, yeah. Yeah. Um, would you believe I went out to interview him because... Did you go on the bike? Had, did you go on the bike? Yeah, I did. He, he, he forced me to go on the bike. I was, wearing, I was really inappropriately dressed and it was raining <laughs> and I said, can I, can I just go get my coat? And he said to me, it's a real granny thing to say now. He said, you're not made of sugar. Can we get up on that bike now? So he and when you say you were in, inappropriately dressed, you obviously had a skirt on. Did you have to sit side Oh, no, that's not, what I, that's not what I mean. No, not oh. in, like, I was fine. Oh, okay. I was just wearing the wrong shoes. <laughs> oh, and, right, and okay. Okay. Yes. I thought you were being ladylike and sitting side saddle or something like that. No, no, it wasn't that bad. Um, no, he has, um, there is, it's like you started a movement because there's tandem bike pilots 
to have got on board. I think it's a wonderful idea. I think, you know those bike things, you know those bike things, you know, all over Cork and Ireland uh, and Dublin as well, you know where you pay a pound and you get a bike out or whatever to cycle around. I think they should have tandems there for couples. Absolutely. It's a wonderful idea. It's lovely. And this is what, this is what, how they want to bring, um, because it's a group now because so many people have got on board with them. Um, so they can bring out more as many people with disabilities as possible. So they want to make it so that there is a hub that people can go to and they can get the tandem bikes. Obviously, you'd sign up for it and you register and everything else. Um, but yeah, I I think um, I think this man Marco Donahue, I, I think he's he's changing the world. It's uh, it's amazing what he's doing. And uh, th- there was one man I was speaking to called Leonard O'Mahony from Greens, and he lost his sight to diabetes last year. So he was one of the, the passengers on the tandem bikes. And he, he was talking about, he, w- he was saying that when he gets on the bike, it's the one time that he can leave the cane behind and just forget about all that for a while and just, yeah, it, 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 it experience experiencing the world, experience the world again. Absolutely. Right. Now, one of Cork's few uh, debt doulas. Now, I have never heard of a debt doula, by the way. I've heard of a pregnancy doula. Uh, and I'm assuming it's the same thing. It's somebody that helps you to get through grief. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, they've had some quirky requests of late uh, when one woman wanted to stage her own live wake. Now, I'm assuming, is a debt doula the same as a pregnancy doula? Um, yeah, they, they basically provide emotional and physical support for they're those like a PA. Um, yeah, they're like a PA, so to speak. Would you call them PA? I suppose you would. Would you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you're pregnant, um, you get a doula and they stay with you throughout your pregnancy and they help you with, you know, the birth and the breastfeeding and all that kind of stuff afterwards and they hang around and they're there for advice. Now, I'm not saying they're with you 24 hours a day or anything like that, but I'm assuming then a death doula is somebody helps you organise the funeral and you know, the the kind of advertising of the funeral and the church, and I'm assuming that's what they do. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, this woman, Stephanie, um, Stephanie Black, she she lives in Yall. She seems to be going well beyond the call of duty because um, there was one woman who, who got on to her, would you believe, and she wasn't, she wasn't facing death at all, but she wanted to she wanted to plan a, a living wake to confront her mortality fears i suppose um i didn't really get to the bottom of why but i assume that's why um so she was fit and healthy and she explained how the woman wrapped herself in a shroud so that she could experience the event from the point of view of the deceased so she just experienced her own mother's passing and she hadn't been diagnosed with a terminal terminal illness or anything herself. But after seeing her mum's funeral, she knew she wanted to do things differently. So she basically had a dry run of it, right. so to speak. And um, she, she invited her family and friends. It, it would have just been a small group and they had it in her home. She, she only invited the people who were close to her, really. And I'm sure they thought it was very strange but they came along anyway that's a sign of a really nice family and friends isn't it when you say oh it's a bit weird but yeah she's into it so we'll support her (laughs) but look uh, finally the echo how i met my partner is shedding light on how dating 
in Cork has changed since the 1970s. Well, I can tell you at 60 or 50 years, 59 years of age, I'm adding years to myself here, 59 years of age, I'm 60 in September, how dating has changed since I was a young man. And I try to explain it to young people and they never really understand. And I say, you know, we didn't have mobile phones. We didn't even have bloody landlines when I was young. So if you met somebody at a dance or a disco or a nightclub, you had to go there the next week in the hope they might be there again because you, you couldn't contact them. Because young people say, could you not just text them? And I go, nah, you can't do that. So dating has changed the way we date. We, we know more about people before we even meet them now. Yeah, so this is a very popular column. We have, um, we have an echo called How I Met My Partner. And I suppose it's popular because it's showing the, the contrast between all different ages. And mm-hmm. Manus O'Callaghan, he talked about dating, I think it was in the late 60s, early 70s. So um, Manus O'Callaghan founded the Cork Person of the Year Awards. Do you know the Cork Person of the Year yeah, Awards? Have yeah. you heard of that? I have. Um, yeah, so his, uh, his, his wife is, is Betty. So he talked about in, in this, on this occasion about how he met Betty. So, um, so being stood up by the woman of your dreams, normally that would um, leave even the most hopelessly romantic among us disillusioned about love, but not Manus. Um, his smooth and unflappable nature may well be what actually won over his uh, now wife, Betty, and she's still in love with him as much as in love with him several decades later. So mm-hmm. he, 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 what happened was he, they met in uh, at a dance and he asked her to meet him and he was waiting, um, very excited about this date and didn't somebody else turn up? No. So this other girl turned up and... Um, well, like said, a stand-in. <laughs> Stunt double. <laughs> a stand-in would have, been, would have been better, wouldn't it? Um, that, would have been, that would have been something. But no, she, she just basically told him, um, I'm Betty's friend. She had an appointment. So, so she couldn't make it, so I'm standing in for her. That's <laughs> she, she, incredible. She couldn't, she couldn't make it. No, he, she went home then, so I don't think they I don't think they had a date. That would be an even better story, wouldn't it, if he yeah. fell in love with her standing? But uh, he he rang Bessie, and uh, she decided to uh, have a go of it. They still argue to this day over... He still wonders: Did she actually have an appointment, or, or did, <laughs> did he get stood up? Um, well, he could so have. He, en- said, he could have ended up with the, the the double that was masquerading as Betty. He could have ended up with her. Yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, I'm glad he ended up with Betty anyway because the two of them seem lovely together. And the the first date he he went on, he described the date as they just went for a walk because he was saying there wasn't a lot of money. Uh, mm. Um, back then it wouldn't have been so extravagant but what what used to happen back then is everybody used to smoke and they would buy a single cigarette you could buy a single cigarette and you could also buy a single match so that was what they did they went and bought I remember a that. Yeah. cigarette see I'm older a, a than you think Sarah I'm older than you think I remember going to the woman in my day every woman at the top of the road has a shop under her stairs right it was a kind of thing in those days. You'd run up to Mr. Mr. What was her name on our road? Miss O'Mara, I think it was. And she had a shop under the stairs. So she sold chocolate, cigarettes, milk, sugar, the basics, in case you couldn't get to the a shop. House, a, house, a house shop. That's what they used to call them back yeah. then, wasn't it? Was yeah. it a house shop? A house shop. 
and and then you get a cigarette. So if you wanted a cigarette, like she'd open the packets and she'd sell them singly, and they'd wrap them up in a little bit of tissue paper, so you get a match and a cigarette for like a penny or two pence or something like that. But see, my first packet of cigarettes, I shouldn't encourage people to smoke, and I always tell people it's a bad idea, don't ever start. But my pack, first packet of cigarettes was 10 major, and it was 13 and a half pence. My, and in, in those days, the doctors used to even advertise oh, yeah. cigarettes. Oh, but when you go to your doctor, I, I can remember being at a dentist, having me tooth out when I was about 10 or 11, I had a bad tooth, and the dentist was smoking over, he had the cigarette in his mouth, Oh, he was pulling me to this. Oh my gosh! Wouldn't you love to get have gotten a picture of that, Doctor? Um, you went into so a doctor's office. I would go to the doctor's office, and he had an ashtray full of butts in front of you, and he'd be smoking while he was talking to you. Yeah, but wouldn't that be the best? Like the fact doctors are rec- recommending it. That's the dream, isn't it? If yeah. the doctor told you, oh, you have to take like yeah. six bars of chocolate and this will cure your illness. Six, six <laughs> bars of chocolate and 20 cigarettes a day. That should sort you out. <laughs> Absolutely. But look, there are wonderful stories to hear how people met. And, you know, I think everybody has a story. I'm sure you have a story yourself with your partner as well. So, but we all have a story of how we met. I have a wonderful story. Mine is very romantic and I have to say it. I'm, very, I'm married now, by the way, second time. Uh, um, I got married just before Christmas and um, we we met going back six years ago when I was sitting on a sofa and I had a sciatica in my back and I literally couldn't move to get over to the press to get a diphene but I literally couldn't get up off the sofa because my back was in so much pain I was going to call an ambulance but instead I noticed a message coming in on Facebook from a promoter who was bringing a band into the radio station wanted to know about the power in the radio station and you know the suitability of the power and it was like one o'clock in the morning but she happened to spot that I worked there. So she asked, decided to ask me. And I end up messaging back and forward, like, what the hell are you doing up this hour of the night? And all that kind of thing. I saw her, eye, her eyes and her profile picture, and I went, she's gorgeous. Anyway, so I think I fell in love straight away. And uh, and people don't meet like that anymore. People no. just have boring stories where they just find each other online. And, and I, I was brave enough to ask her for a phone number the next day. And then we'd phone each other for three and four hours a day. We met two weeks later. In Cork, actually, we met for the first time. Did you really? Yeah, we met in Cork for the where, first where time. Where in Cork? In the voodoo rooms. Oh, I wish I had been there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we met. That was the first time we, we had arranged to meet. It was actually a listener party for Classic Hits. Uh, and we had a, I invited her down to it and we arranged to meet there. And it was the most oh, all, wonderful all night. All love stories. All love stories begin in Cork. In the, in the Voodoo Rooms. how I met my partner, Colin. Yeah, in, in the, the Voodoo Rooms. Yeah. So it was a lovely <laughs> story. And here we are, six years later, and now we're married. Hmm. There's hope for all of us. <laughs> There's hope for all of us. There is. Listen, Sarah, it's been lovely talking to you once again. I'm sure we'll catch up again next week. Thank you very much indeed. Okay, thank you. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Ireland's classic hit.